Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name's Terry Barber. I always say I'm too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed, and if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. Bishop Strickland, thanks for taking the time to be with us here on your show to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks, Terry. Thank you for coming. Hey, I want to talk, uh, for those who are brand new, we talk with, about Bishop Strickland's tweets, about what he's talking about in the culture, and then we take the Catechism of the Catholic Faith, something that we all should have a copy of, and we go right through it because we need to study our faith. Because the you know living in a in the culture that we're in right now, if we don't know our faith, we're in deep trouble because we won't be able to defend that faith against a culture that acts like God doesn't exist. So, Bishop Strickland, my first comment to you is you quoted uh, about Ralph Martin, a good friend of the show. Uh, he was responding to some little bit of controversy with Archbishop Aquila from Denver and uh, Cardinal Cupage in Chicago. And just for those who don't know the issues, where basically Archbishop Aquila made a comment that people who are living in mortal sin in the sense of objectively saying that abortion is okay, it's a good thing, and I'm going to promote it, I'm going to, I'm going to vote for killing unborn babies, gee, Common sense says don't receive Holy Communion if you're a Catholic because that's objectively, uh, you know, killing unborn babies is, is murder, basically. And uh, that's a one of the commandments, thou shalt not murder. And then uh, when he said this comment, he was just reaffirming Cardinal Ratzinger and other bishops who have said, you know, yeah, this is uh, Archbishop Chaput and others. You know, we, we shouldn't be receiving Holy Communion, any of us, if we knowingly know that we're in the state of mortal sin and we're committing these kinds of sins. And then Cardinal Cupich uh, essentially uh, called him out and said, well, now, wait a minute. Um, the communicant really does receive graces even if they are in mortal sin. And um, I think that the Council of Trent uh, would change, would, would not be agreeing with the Cardinal with all due respect. And then you got involved, Bishop Strickland, and thank you, because I don't think there's a, a, a benefit for you to get involved with this other than telling the truth about what the church teaches. And you said, I think you should listen to Ralph Martin's comments because, you know, I, I agree with, with uh, Dr. Martin. So give us your thoughts. Well, actually, Terry, what, what no. Dr. Martin was referring to that I commented on was um, a homily well, by I'm Bishop Barron. Yeah, that's right. Um, I got confused. But, You're absolutely yeah. right. I interrupt. That's about salvation. Let's let's yeah. make let's 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 take Bishop Barron back on a net. That's that's my mistake. So let's let's then correct it. I like to be humbled, and I boy did I get humbled on that one, Bishop Strickland. So well, I, you know, just because it was a different issue. Yeah. I mean, it's an important issue, but I I honestly hadn't commented on it. I wasn't even aware of the the back and forth okay. on it. I didn't realize uh, that. Yeah, but you're you are of the opinion. Somebody who is a politician should not be receiving Holy Communion. Am I right or wrong on that? Absolutely. We, we need to really, I believe, yeah. like we've talked about before, pull things out of the world of politics. Mm -hmm. There's no politics for God. Nope. We're all his beloved sons and daughters. Yep. And when a son or daughter is not following what the church has clearly taught, mm -hmm. then... People are in peril. That is called sin. That is called living contrary to the light of the gospel. So the greatest charity is, whether it's a politician or a movie actor 
or a radio personality like yourself mm -hmm. or uh, anyone. It's, is this son of God living the best? We're all sinners. Amen. We all need God's mercy. We better rely on the mercy of God, but we also have to work diligently to repent of sin and to seek uh, a cleaner heart, a more virtuous life. That's what being in communion with Christ is about. So that's what, what I would comment is the greatest charity is to remind someone this is what we believe. Yeah. And none of us measure up. None of us can say we are worthy, but we we have the obligation. And as teachers, as bishops or priests or deacons and lay people that are catechists, we, if we're teaching the catechism of the faith, then we have the obligation um, and the duty to, in real love, tell people what the church truly teaches. People are free to embrace it or not, and many do reject it. Yeah. But it makes it harder for the people who want to embrace it to see it, it sort of um, compromised in various ways. It's clear that receiving communion, we should all examine our hearts and we do at Mass. Yeah. We have the penitential rite that says we're sinners gathered here and we seek God's mercy. So the greatest mercy, the greatest love is to remind people, let's look into our hearts and see how we need to repent. Absolutely. Yeah. Receiving the body of Christ gives us grace to be stronger. Yeah. But if we're so weak that we're in mortal sin, it really it it it's inappropriate to receive until we're at least gone to confession and begin to be on the path of being back in communion. We need to say that to every politician, to every public figure, and to every man and woman in our neighborhoods. Would you, uh, if, if you are the Bishop of Tyler and you have that responsibility, if the President of the United States, Joe Biden, comes into your diocese wouldn't you communicate to him if he was going to come to some mass and let him know that it wouldn't be appropriate to receive Holy Communion? Or would you just not receive, would you not give, wouldn't you, what would be the best prudential reproach? I'm hearing you. I'm well, if it, it's not likely no. that would happen no. in Tyler, Texas, but the pastor's approach, I believe, yeah. is to simply not make a big right. public deal about it, but to quietly say, Son of God, are you right with what the church teaches? Are in are you in communion mm -hmm. with the basic teachings of the church? And if not, it's better to continue to ponder that. I mean, you may not change your beliefs, but at least to be consistent and say, no, I don't believe in major things that the church teaches. If that's the case for anyone, whether it's the president or the mailman yeah. or the grocery worker, whoever it is, yeah, whoever. the appropriate thing is to say not to receive communion until you've reconciled those things that you disagree with. Yeah. And, and the bottom line, Bishop Strickland, I don't mean to pitch on the spot because the president, might, well, the chances of him coming into Tyler, Texas are slim and none. I get that. But the, pack, the fact is, if you did that quietly and you told him, pastorially, that, look, you're not in union with the church. I can't give you Holy Communion, so please don't even think about coming up for Holy Communion because I'm not here to embarrass you, but I, I'm as a bishop, I can't, 
give you Holy Communion knowing what you're doing as the president publicly uh, for the killing of unborn babies. That would be difficult for you, but I got to believe, Bishop Strickland, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I got to believe you have to stand for that. You have to stand for that principle. Let me frame it this way, Eric. Go ahead. We all have an obligation to be concerned about our eternal salvation. Yeah. And to be concerned about the other person's eternal salvation. To have that conversation, for my part, it's my obligation as a pastor to share the truth from that person, whether the president or whoever, that is not following Catholic teaching, then the obligation for me to teach them and for them to, to, to consider whether they believe what the church teaches or not. Everyone's free. God left us free to choose. But people deserve to know clearly what the truth is and not to sort of let it be compromised so that, oh, because of your position or whatever reason, that it's okay for you because that's not what Christ has said and that's not what his church teaches. So for me to willingly put someone in mortal danger yeah. of damnation, that's not love. No. And, and to put myself at risk by not teaching as clearly as I can, that's defaulting on my responsibility as a pastor. Yeah, I would agree with you that you would participate in that by doing that. So thank you for that clarity. Uh, We're going to be taking a quick break, but before we do that, I haven't asked the bishop about his institute, and I love your institute. Can you share a little few words about how people can benefit by going to your website? Yeah, the St. Philip Institute, stphilipinstitute.org, very simple, Mm -hmm. Philip with one L. Um, It's a great resource, Mm -hmm. and we're really working on just helping the local families the families in our 33 counties mm-hmm. uh, to to grow closer to the Lord, to know all the teachings of their Catholic faith, whether young children in grade school or in junior high or in high school or young parents with toddlers or retired people, all those seasons of life. So even as I speak about it, it's, it's a big job to yeah. try to teach the whole family of the diocese widows and and young people that are still single, but to guide people in the truth, in the basic morality, in the sanctity of life, in all the the, the Lord has revealed to us that helps us understand who we are and what life is about. That's the mission of the St. Philip Institute. Well, that's fantastic. When we come back from the break, uh, Bishop Strickland made a comment regarding Dr. Ralph Martin's respectful comments in regards to Bishop Robert Barron, who's our bishop here in Los Angeles, regarding, as he said, a most significant question of our time. What is that question? When we come back, you're going to find out about that and much more here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber from Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I gave you a little teaser at the end of the break, and it was a teaser that said Bishop Strickland tweet, or, uh, tweeted out a comment about 
Dr. Ralph Martin, a respected lay theologian, he made some comments and addressed one of the most significant faith questions of our time. And Jesus says, the way is narrow and you need him. This is basically last weekend's Good Shepherd homily uh, that Bishop Strickland gave, or excuse me, not Bishop, Bishop Barron gave, and it was regarding about salvation for non-Christians. And as you know, the Bible said that nobody is saved except through Jesus Christ, and our church teaches through the Catechism, the Second Vatican Council, that if somebody is saved outside of the visible church, they're saved through Jesus Christ. How that works? God has that, but the point of it is there is no other name that people can be saved except through Jesus Christ. So I wanted to get Bishop Strickland's take on this because I'm not, I like Bishop Barron a lot. He has a lot of good things he, he does, but uh, I think I think this layman uh, did Bishop Barron a favor. That's my take. How about yours, Bishop Strickland? Well, Terry, I would agree with that. And as I've said to you, it, um, anytime something I say needs to be corrected, or in this case, really just uh, nuanced yeah, a bit, yeah. um, I, I want to hear that. Sure. And I know Bishop Barron, he does tremendous work, yep. and I would expect that, that he wants to hear that as well, okay. to at least ponder what Ralph Martin said. I felt very comfortable in... Um, encouraging people to watch that video because we all see a lot of rather um, outlandish or, or very dramatic kind of videos at this time. I mean, we, we live in a video culture. <laughs> and Ralph Martin was very respectful, very measured, but raised some very important points about a critical, as I said in my tweet, a, a, a critical aspect of who shall be saved. Big question. What is salvation about? Mm. And to know, and I, what really I would, I wanted to encourage people to watch that video and to really pray about it, because a couple of things that Ralph Martin emphasized, I wouldn't expect that uh, that Bishop Barron would resist in any way. But it's hard to say everything at any one time. Um, but Ralph emphasized, let's listen to. What does Jesus Christ say? Amen. He says it's a narrow way, and the way is broad for those on the path per, to perdition, wow. those who are destined for destruction. It's not that God wants it that way, but that's our choice because God has given us the free will mm -hmm. to choose. So I like that point that Ralph Martin made, that— we need to listen to what Jesus says. And also, he was quoting uh, the Second Vatican Council, a specific paragraph. I'd have to go back to the video um, to actually remember specific. But he was very specific. And the thing that he said there that really caught my attention was, read the whole paragraph. Mm -hmm. Yes, for many people, the Second Vatican Council is... Um, controversial. People want to reject the, the teachings of the council. I fully embrace the teachings of the council, yeah, I but do. I do believe, and Ralph Martin alludes to this, that sometimes they, like any written text, they can be interpreted, and in my opinion, distorted from what it really means. And part of that, in this critical question of 
who shall be saved, Ralph Martin encourages people to read the whole paragraph. Yep. And in that paragraph, I believe there are three different uh, points that are made about what qualifies a person as for not being culpable for their ignorance of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so just in principle, what Ralph Martin reminded me of, and we all need to be reminded of, is to look at the whole message. Just one of the basic teachings of our Catholic faith is we don't take just a portion of Scripture and focus so much on it that it's not in the context of the whole message. Scripture, as we've talked about before, is another expression of divine revelation. It is Jesus Christ. The, we've read the Catechism talking beautifully about how the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is Jesus Christ. And I think we need to, uh, to remember that and to trust in, in the strength that that brings us. So we rejoice that the truth that has been revealed to us mm -hmm. is certainly in the person of Christ incarnate, but also in the Word of God, to embrace that full truth. And with things like the, the document, the ecumenical uh, councils of the church, to read the whole thing, because it's human tendency, and Ralph refers to this in other places, mm -hmm. it's a human tendency to kind of bracket the harder part, yeah. the more challenging aspect. And we we want to listen to, oh, well, the road is wide and, and most people are saved in God's love. We would hope that's the case, but that's not what his son tells us. This, his son, Jesus Christ, gives us a clear warning that, it's a narrow path, a narrow gate. And he uses that imagery of the, the camel passing through the eye of a needle. And even the disciples say, well, who can be saved? And Jesus' response is, all things are possible with God. Yeah. But we, and a final thing that I would say on that, Terry, is that we need to raise the bar. Amen. Rather than lower it. Yep. We need to because in another place in the gospel, Jesus says, we must be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. That is as challenging as it gets. So we can't ever be complacent and satisfied. Oh, I'm holy enough. Terry Barber, he's holy enough. Nope. Once we decide that, then our it really indicates how much further we have to go. We have to always be striving to turn from sin and to live a more virtuous, holier life. And I believe in, in the mystery of, of our journey with Christ. There, there's something there in that that is, that is a big part of the mystery, just to have the humility to keep striving for deeper sanctity and to acknowledge that we're never there, yep. that takes a lot of humility, and it takes a lot of commitment to the truth. That, I believe, is what Christ is calling us to, because he knows the more truth we embrace, the more we will flourish in this life, and the more we are guaranteed that gift of everlasting life 
in in the resurrection. Well said, Bishop Strickland. And I think of uh, Revelation twenty one twenty seven that states, "But nothing unclean shall enter heaven." And I can continue. Nor anyone who practices abominations or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And I say that because in our church right now, unfortunately, and I say this, I'm, I'm just saying, unfortunately, we have the impression that getting to heaven is quite easy, Bishop Strickland, and that all you got to do is show up. Maybe, maybe you don't even have to go to church because. We have this mentality that God is so merciful that no matter what I do, he's going to forgive me without even me repenting. Now, I don't mean to be exaggerating, Bishop Strickland, but I I sense that that is unfortunately very prominent in our church right now where people don't think that. They think just the opposite, that salvation is for everybody and it's just easy and it it doesn't take any, any real effort and no repentance other than God you know, hey, I'm here, and you're lucky, uh, you know, that uh, I'm here. In other words, the attitude in the church is probably, in many places, just the opposite of what you just said. Well, I believe that is very prevalent, Mm -hmm. and we're all prone to it. We all have to really pray and seek a deeper holiness, and it kind of refers back to our earlier conversation. If we're just flat-out rejecting basic teachings of Christ that love your neighbor as you love yourself. I mean, people argue, well, Jesus never even mentioned abortion, but he did say, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Exactly. And if we can acknowledge that the unborn child is our neighbor, then to embrace abortion is an outright rejection of Jesus Christ. And that puts us in dangerous territory if we believe in his message, uh, he can be very strong, Jesus himself, about the need for repentance. And Christ talks about the the realities of hell and the gnashing of teeth. Again, those verses tend to get sort of left off, but I think instead we need to embrace them all. Trusting absolutely in God's mercy, we're all sunk if God isn't merciful. Amen. But <laughs> when we Think about John 3.16, God so loved the world. Another way of saying that is God is so merciful, he gave us his own son to guide us to salvation. But we have to embrace that. And another thing I would say, you you mentioned, you know, um, the idea of nothing impure will enter heaven, nothing unclean. The whole idea of purgatory, purgation, a cleansing. And... I'm sure we've all kind of joked about, I hope I make it into purgatory, (laughs) but we should be aiming for heaven. Yeah. And then if we, we slip a bit and we don't quite make it to heaven, then to pray that we can have as brief a purgatory, a purging of all of that imperfection as we can. So I think really this is a time when we need to urge people to make reparation For our own sins, reparation and atonement, that keeps coming back to me in my prayer because we live in a world where many people mock, just like they mock Christ as he carried the cross. People are doing that in constant ways, even sadly, people that call themselves Catholic at times. And to mock Christ is 
that puts you in a bad state for that idea of needing to be purged and cleansed in order to be in heaven in the beatific vision with God. So I think it's something we need to, out of love, we have to tell each other, this is a challenge. This is the greatest challenge of our lives. We have the Lord's mercy to help us, but we've got to, with our free will, we have to choose clearly. I will be of Christ. I will live in his light. I will repent of my sins and I will seek that light more and more deeply. That is the loving message we have to share with people. It's refreshing to hear a bishop speak like that. Hey, common sense Catholicism, man. Wow. Remember what Our Lady said, too. Souls are going to hell because there's no one there to pray and make sacrifices for them. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. We'll come right back with more of the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I can't let a show go without Bishop standing up for life. He already did, but he has a nice tweet. I'll just read it. It's talking about the slaughter of unborn children, then to put their tiny bodies up for sale, then to use our tax dollars to purchase the bodies of those unborn children for scientific research. These are the are of the devil. Why don't you really tell me what you think, Bishop Strickland? <laughs> yeah, people of faith must protect vigorously. We must not turn a blind eye. See, that that's the point. We have to stand up for life. As a matter of fact, Bishop Strickland, one of Father Benedict Rochelle's um, priests was arrested this week at an abortion clinic uh, for just going in and giving roses to the women that are waiting in line to get their abortions. And he just said, you know, you're a child of God. I love you. And he, and he laid down his life for these women and was arrested. And uh, this isn't the first time this happened. I had it happen to me in 1988. And um, we just have to stand up for life somehow, speak up for the unborn. And you keep beating that drum. And I just want to thank you because it's great to have a bishop come out and say that. But Bishop Strickland, you had an interesting quote on a, on a tweet that you said. Uh, and I think this is very, you're spot on but you don't hear it too often. You said, on Friday, which is coming up this week, let us contemplate the passion of Jesus even as we continue to celebrate his resurrection during this Easter season. Being aware of his tremendous sacrifice, suffering allows his resurrection glory to shine more brightly and transform our world, our lives, in him. Explain why, because some people are going to say, wait a minute, I, I thought we did that at Lent. But go ahead. I want, I want all ears. I, I love you teaching on this. Go ahead. Well, it, it really comes out of my own personal prayer during this um, Easter season, during Holy Week, just for whatever reasons and always, you know, we traditionally pray the stations of the cross and all. But um, it's just especially in the turmoil of this time, whether it's just in society in general, in the nation, in the church. I'm very conscious of the passion of Christ, and I really believe what that tweet says that, and it's true for myself, yeah. um, the, the, the wonder of the resurrection is enhanced, and we can, I don't think we can ever truly fathom 
even the disciples, as they witnessed yeah. our resurrected Lord, they thought he was a ghost. They were scared to death. They were very human in their reaction. And I'm sure we would be the same same way. And even all these centuries later, with all the theology and all the, the strength that we have of, of knowing so much more, it's still easy for us to, to really not grasp the wonder of Jesus Christ being really dead and rising from the dead in his resurrection. So I believe, and, and I've experienced it myself, the more not to, you know, people say, oh, I say and focus on the negative or focus on suffering, but I guess I am saying focus on the suffering to enhance. It's, I guess another way of saying it, Terry, is be aware of the darkness mm. so that the light is that much more powerful, so much more blinding, so much more beautiful when you're aware of the darkness. Think about what we experience in a very human way. If I know I've experienced it here and we have beautiful sunshine yeah. here in Texas and in California. Sure. And if you're in a, like in a movie theater during the middle of the day, mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't, I don't do that very often these days, yeah. but I remember even as a kid, you're in a dark place and you come out in this bright sunshine. It's blinding. Yeah. That is what I'm getting at. The If we really enter into the darkness, not for darkness sake, but just to know the real passion of the Lord, then it enhances our celebration of and our embracing the, uh, the resurrection and the power of his resurrected life. Another point that is in there for me, Terry, and, and hopefully for all of us, mm -hmm. It helps me to do better at rejecting sin. Amen. When I'm aware that this really, my own personal sin contributes to the agony of Christ in the, in the great mystery that his agony is. He's, he's the timeless Lord of the universe who deemed himself humble enough to become one of us and to have flesh that could be bruised and beaten and bloodied as it was. Um, so to me, it helps me to, I mean, it, it certainly isn't perfect, but it helps me to, to remember what my sins do mm -hmm. to the body of Christ. Amen. What does he say to St. Paul when at St. Paul's conversion? We just had that reading from Acts just a few days ago. That's right. And Christ says, you're hurting me. You're persecuting me. And St. Paul says, still Saul in that passage. He says, who are you? What do you mean I'm hurting you? Yeah. And Jesus makes it very clear that harming, doing injustice, harming his people, his body through us is, is harmful to him. So in, in that understanding all of us need to recognize that we are contributing to the agony of Christ when we sin. It it horrifies me to realize that about my own personal sins at whatever degree of sinfulness. And so hopefully that, that strengthens all of us in saying, Lord, I love you. I want to live virtuously because it's the right thing. It's good for me, but it's also a way of adoring and honoring 
the Son of God who suffered so much. To, to add to his suffering is, is horrible. And, and anyone of faith wants to avoid that. So I think to focus on that and to be more aware of how he truly suffered, it helps us to be more people of the resurrection. Well said. I think of what Fulton Sheen says, without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. And I know a lot of the spiritual writers say that, St. Alphonsus Liguori, number one, I can think of when he said, if you meditate on the passion of Christ every day, you're, you will not want to sin. Because no, you're exactly. thinking that's about what I'm saying. That. Yeah, that's what you're saying. But you're only repeating the doctors of the church, okay? I mean, Bishop Strickland, you're a nice guy. But you're not <laughs> saying anything that the fathers haven't said. And this mm. is the beauty of our faith. And this is why I think sometimes we have forgotten that again in our church, that balloons, banners, and butterflies. You know, we forgot about the, the, the masses and the reenactment of Calvary, that we're present at that one eternal sacrifice. That needs to be preached from the rooftops because I don't think a lot of people understand. And I, I say this, and I've told you this, Bishop Strickland, for 40 years I do interviews with people outside churches all over the country, and very few people understand the Mass, just understanding the, uh, the sacrificial aspect. I got a, a, a medical doctor who's taking care of me, and he says, yeah, I just want to get to Mass. You know, I want the celebration part. I want to have a good time with people. I want to have coffee and donuts after. I long for that day to come back. And then I had to explain to him, Dr. Hilliken, I'm your friend for all these years. You've been taking chiropractic, working on me all these years. I've got to tell you what the Mass is. And he's as old as I am. So how did he miss that? Well, I don't know. I don't. I can't speculate. But the point of it is, what you just said about the passion is what the church has been teaching for thousands of years. Now, Bishop Strickland, we're not going to take a break quickly. So I want to. I want to go right into the catechism. You got a lot more tweets, but let the people look at your tweets. Go to how, how do people get a hold of your tweets, Bishop Strickland? Well, an easy way, if you're not on Twitter, and yeah. people are always telling me, I'm not on Twitter, yeah. um, just go to bishopstrickland.com. Yeah. They're on that, and they're also on the St. Philip Institute website Excellent. that we talked about before. The tweets are, are always there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're interested, go to stphilipinstitute.org or bishopstrickland.com. Right. And we, if you're watching on YouTube, we put it right on the screen so you can't miss it. All right, well, let's shift gears to the paragraph, uh, to the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 157. And again, you might think that going through the Catechism is a laborious process. And I would say, yeah, it's a big book, but we have to have a real good understanding of our faith and the culture that we're living in. So that's why I'm the one who put, I asked Bishop Stricken, can we go through the Catechism? He said, yeah, it's important. He said, I love it. As a matter of fact, Bishop Strickland, here you've, you're a bishop for all these years, you're a priest for all these years, but I don't know about you, but I still, I'm a layman, and I still get excited reading the Catechism of the Catholic Church because it, it, it answers questions that are ultimate, important questions of life. Do you still find it uh, rewarding even at you know the stage of your life to open up a catechism? Honestly, be honest with it, but I do. Absolutely. And, and I continue to learn yeah. and even relearn and more deeply learn yeah. the same thing. Yeah. What studying the catechism, I, I, I'm glad you bring this up because I'm sure a lot of people say, oh, I'm dry. It's not. 
And and I think certainly it's not the kind of thing that I can sit down and just read like a book. No. I mean, you know, I start getting drowsy because it's it's very dense. Yeah. But even to take a paragraph a day yeah. is is something worth doing because it's so dense and it's so rich. And what I'm reminded of, even the catechism, I mean, I'm sure I've quoted St. Thomas Aquinas before because it's my favorite thing that he says and all the things he taught. Wow. He said, all of this is straw compared to who he's talking about. God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the divinity of God, the, the whole meaning of God. And that's really what the catechism talks about. God and his church, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and the church that they've established for us. And to realize that you could have this book and then another book just as thick and keep going, you're never going to get to the bottom of this well of infinite beauty, of infinite truth, of infinite goodness, infinite. It's so to continue to dive into it as deeply as we can. And I don't have the intellect to, to understand it as deeply as some do. But the deeper we can go, the better off we are. Well said, Mr. Strickland. More on the Bishop Strickland Hour. Go turn that down. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. We're talking now about the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I'll tell you what Bishop Strickland just said about the Catechism. I'll be honest with you, folks. I'm going to take that clip and use it as an advertisement to get people to read or to study their Catechism because he gave very compelling reasons on why we should be studying our faith. But let's let's turn to Catechism paragraph number 157 under the Profession of Faith. I'll read the paragraph if you're brand new. And then Bishop Strickland just gives his comments about what is said. It's like he said, very succinct. Here it comes. Faith is certain. It is more certain than all human knowledge because it is founded on the very word of God who cannot lie. To be sure, revealed truths can seem obscure to human reason and experience. But the certainty that divine light gives us is greater than that which the light of natural reason gives. 10,000 difficulties do not make one doubt. That quote at the end, I've used 10,000 difficulties do not make one doubt. Bishop Strickland, give us your take on that paragraph. Wow. Well, it it is powerful, and I, I also like that quote from John Henry Cardinal Newman. Yep. 10,000 difficulties do not make one doubt. Yep. That puts it in context because we live in a time of, of many difficulties, many objections raised mm-hmm. for people of faith mm-hmm. and outright rejection yeah. of the idea of faith, much less what we believe as Catholics. But the, the martyrs are people who you don't die for something that you're sort of ambiguous about, that you have a lot of doubts. They knew. I mean, and there's some beautiful stories from Scripture and from the tradition of the church of people 
that were so convinced of the truth that had been revealed to them that they really didn't, I mean, 10,000 difficulties. I mean, it's pretty difficult to be facing martyrdom, <laughs> but they, they didn't doubt and they, they kept the faith. And that's what we're all challenged to. Um, we're not in a time that has a lot of respect for faith. But if we think about it, I just remember as a, a kid, really, in the seminary, a teenager in the early years, studying philosophy and really studying, you know, epistemology, the study of how we know anything. And, you know, that's what philosophy gets down to is how do we understand things? And um, what really faith goes deeper than any empirical knowledge that we can have. It, it goes deeper than something that our senses may tell us because things can be distorted with what we see or what we hear with all the senses. But faith goes deeper. It goes the way I would put it, Terry, it goes to that essence of who we are created in the image and likeness of God. When we come to know something, it, the, this paragraph 157 begins with a, about as short a sentence as you can find. Yeah. Faith, it's certain. To, that is what the, the church is about, is a certain faith, just like we believe that that bread and wine truly becomes the body and blood of the Son of God. Many questions about how and many things that aren't answered. Mm -hmm. But would we die for that? I certainly hope I would, because that's the, the level of faith that I have and what Christ has told us. And it gets back to what we were talking about earlier. If we really believe in him, in Jesus, then we have faith in what he says. I think that's a good way in in our modern culture to look at it, because honestly, people don't have a lot of faith in the hierarchy of the church, in an individual bishop, in the individual Catholic True. people, because there's a lot of corruption, there's a lot of yeah. sinfulness, we're all weak, yep. and there are too many there's a whole litany of how those men and women of faith have not lived up to the calling as we should. But it kind of goes back to what I would imagine both of our mothers probably said yep. to us. I know my mother did. She used to tell us because, you know, I was growing well, we were both growing up in the 60s and 70s. That's right. A time of Great turmoil. Big time. We see a lot of turmoil today, but that was a time of great turmoil as well. Oh, yeah. In the church yep. and in the world, in the state, the Vietnam War, Yvonne yep. Vitae, all of these things going on. And I think that we have to remember what my mother used to tell us, that no individual Catholic no, that fails, that we say, oh, that man, they're, they're so, we're so disappointed in that bishop or that priest yeah. or that deacon or that layperson. 
this couple that failed to live up to their call to be a sacrament in matrimony, don't ever let anyone cause you to leave the church. And especially, I mean, my mother in those days, she used to tell us, and I was I was one of the younger kids, but you know, little kids listen in. All families hopefully are aware of that. I was a younger one. Of the six of us, I was number five. So my oldest brother was 12 years older than me. So they were hearing things from my parents, and I was just sort of listening in, you know, while I was playing in the dirt or whatever. <laughs> but I remember that, that my mother especially, my father was a convert and a good Catholic, but my mother's saying, don't ever let a priest yeah. cause you to leave the church. And that is a message that needs to be heard in our time because, yes, bishops and priests and deacons, I mean, the, the clergy of the church, bishops, priests, and deacons, we're all just men, we're sinners, and we can do harmful things. I mean, we strive not to, and we need to pay attention to that and not sort of have another standard for those who are clergy. Um, but the bottom line is, the church is Jesus Christ. Amen. The church is the Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, and so to not let anyone cause us to leave the church, wherever they are in the hierarchy or in the, the local priest or whoever, yes, we can be disappointed. We may even reach the point of anger, but hopefully we, we don't lash out in that anger. But we should never let anyone separate us from the body of Christ that is the church. And sadly, we see it happening because, I mean, like the man you mentioned, if your faith is no stronger than that, that the main thing you're looking forward to going to Mass is the fellowship, which is wonderful, yeah. but it's it's more than, I mean, it's <laughs> way beyond secondary. It is <laughs> yes, we need to be kind to each other and we need to support each other, especially in this time. And we do need that human contact with each other. And I know that's people are longing for that. But the mass is so much greater than that, if we understand. But people who, who have a weak faith can easily win. You know, if that's your faith and it's all about having a nice community, when that community isn't so nice, or when that priest yells at you, or when the priest says something that you disagree with, that you know maybe isn't what the church teaches. And I know people get upset with those things as well. Still, don't let the individual priest, the individual person, pray for them, but don't let them cause you to walk away from the church that is the body of Christ. Remember, it's his body, Amen. and we're all called to be imperfect, but to strive to be more and more perfected in his grace, to be part of his body. That's the challenge for every person in the pew, everyone serving at the altar, every person that is there. And to let any of those cause us to, you know, I mean, just like the scriptures say, for for us to be a stumbling block for the little ones, and we're all little ones in one sense or another, yeah, yeah. that is dangerous territory for any of us. So 
I think it's important to remember who we have faith in. Faith is certain because it's it's the revealed truth of God. And he's given us his son who walked among us and spoke his words, offered his miraculous healings. We believe in him. And if you we're reading through now during the Easter season, we're reading through the Acts of the Apostles. Marvelous stories. Listen to those stories and say, I believe this. And if you need to study a little more, if you say, that doesn't make sense, or I can't believe that, go deeper, because we need to believe in what happened in the early church and believe that the faith can still transform us the way it did with the original apostles and disciples. Well, I might also add that you ask Jesus Christ for more faith every single day. We're talking about faith in the catechism, the profession of faith, but, you know, Jesus will respond to you by your generosity, by saying, Jesus, you know, stop, help me in my disbelief and help me believe stronger in you. And you do that every day and your faith will grow. And I think it's important that, you know, St. Thomas talks about grace building on nature. So we have to be open to this and ask Jesus Christ to have strong faith in him. So don't forget to do that. Bishop Strickland, we have another minute here, but I want to make sure we get a, a blessing. But I also want to tell folks that on the 13th of June, we have a men's conference here in California. Bishop Strickland was going to stay in in Texas, but he's also going to give us a presentation for our men. And if you want to know more about events on evangelization, go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Bishop Strickland, could you give us your blessing for our radio listeners, please? The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for all involved in producing these mm -hmm. radio shows and for those who are listening, that we might all humbly seek the light of your Son more deeply, especially during these Easter days, and continually seek to repent of sin mm -hmm. and to live the good news of the gospel. We ask this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Bishop Strickland. For those who haven't uh, are aware that we have podcasts of other shows of Bishop Strickland. You can go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org to get that or any of the shows, the Terry and Jesse show, all the different shows on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you and your family. Until next week, this is Terry Barber signing off for the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God love you.